Welcome to the Department of Homelander Security, the officially unofficial podcast for the boys on Amazon streaming prime thing. I'm Jim. I'm Heron. And today we're talking about season two, episode seven, Butcher, Baker, Candlestick Maker. Uh, Aaron, what do you think of this episode? You know, it's it's not quite Homelander mowing down everybody at a protest with its heat visions, but I did quite ex- uh, I, I did quite like how the storyline uh, kind of got exploded. Pardon my pun <laughs> mm-hmm. with the 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 congressional testifi- testifying scene. Yeah. Um. Boy, there's something about just uh, it just illustrates how like the concept of these supers kind of break the justice system. You know, they're like mafia bosses, only there are no human limitations to them, you know, mm-hmm. um, and how terrifying that could be and how hard it is to bring anyone to, to kind of j- justice when when you're dealing with that. And there's also like maybe one maybe a question like, you know, how much like Homelander and Stormfront are into because they're front and center and kind of looking around bewildered. Um but no, I, I really like this episode. It, it's it has me wondering how the hell can they pull this out of any kind of nosedive in in just one with one episode to go because it just seems like it's so Empire Strikes Back. Our heroes are just getting mm-hmm. their ass kicked every other episode. What do you think, Jim? Yeah, no, I I thought it was awesome too. Um, the the question like that that idea of oh how can you bring any you know evil soup to justice. Um, is one that I think doesn't have a good answer and almost can't have a good answer because our court is, you know, at its best moments focused on the idea of proving beyond a reasonable doubt that someone is uh, committing crimes, has has done something bad. How do you do that when there's no physical evidence? Like, I, I don't know who's popping heads here. I want to say that maybe mm-hmm. it's Cindy that we saw at Sage Grove last episode how do you prove that she has that power a and then b how do you prove that she used that power in that situation and there isn't another soup out there who did it right like the the evidence there would be impossibly hard to gather and and the case would be impossibly hard to prove i would think it's not like homelander where he lasers somebody and you can have it on camera right right no it's it's one of those things where like mandy um uh, the, this this uh, justice system where it's presumption of innocence and requiring you know like airtight testimony and evidence like really falls apart kind of like in the same way it does I mean this is the Godfather like where you find out that like uh, you know he's threatened every single member of a jury you know or, sure. or paid them all ten thousand dollars to look the same way or like and and I think that's what's interesting is like to the extent that you can analogy and, and uh, analogize this um, unrestricted power. This is essentially like Vought is a stand-in for any multinational comp- uh, corporation that wants to trample on an individual's rights because none of us really have the means to go after and punish them in any kind of meaningful way. Like even when yeah. you know, like like. Uh, oil company gets slapped with a $50 billion fine because they polluted the Gulf. What does that even mean to them? It means like that's, this that's year isn't pr- going to be quite as profitable. Yeah, Q3 is going to be a little bit disappointing for shareholders, and it's going to hurt our stock price a little bit. Yeah. Um, it, it's... Um, and like, even if you can strike at their heart, they're literally immortal beings. Yeah. Like, corporations are immortal entities that... 
you know, have protections far beyond what people. I mean, I think that's the 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 Rosetta stuff. That's kind of like what you're supposed to understand what they're doing. Um, but yeah, like they don't pop heads. It's just like they just the you you can't run them out of money. And as long as they have money, they can mount a legal defense. And if you manage um, to, uh, if you manage to do something to strike, you know, at the heart and kill them, they can just reform as something else, right? They're this. Right. This monstrous, they're like a blob, right? That will absorb this blow and just sort of morph around the thing that hit them and become something else. It's, yeah. How, how do you how yeah. do you deal with that kind of uh, thing? And now, how do you deal with it when it's it's making superheroes, superpowered beings? Yeah, it's like we just we did a review for Wolf of Wall Street this week on Wednesday, and it's the same kind of thing. It's like even when you do catch these criminals and bring them to some kind of justice it's it's a miscarriage like oh it's a 12 10 months at club fed right you know and that's when you have a working that's when you have a working justice department that actually is standing up for the for for the people and prosecuting things in a fair and 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 ju- just manner so that's by no uh, means guaranteed <laughs> Right, so I feel like the, a lot of these episodes, like they're about they're about the, the, these silly morality plays about superheroes. But holy shit, they do feel they do feel very relevant, and they're very good at capturing how helpless you feel bes- be, um, in front of these uh, these large entities as an individual. And so. I'll say also another aspect of this episode that really hit me was the stuff that's happening with the church, because uh, mm. goddamn, like they 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 get that part of this um like everything they're saying about you know the about eagle in this episode is right on the money as far as i can tell from my experience with cults and churches for sure for sure uh and you know it's all over the top and silly in its way but also it's striking like right at the the right at the heart of what it feels like to be in a cult and and it from multiple angles too right it's like you've got the deep who is deep into it. Uh, and you've got a train who's kind of like on the fringe still with his eyebrows raised going, is this a thing that, you know, everybody is cool with. Uh, and, but I, he's also being, he's also being love bombed for the first time in a while. He feels like an odd man out by the rest of society and by his other in group. So he's, yeah, you know, at risk to being victimized by a, a cult like this. For sure. Uh, so yeah, I, I really uh, enjoyed this episode quite a bit. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. 
It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. All right, we start off with kind of a montage of this guy who is, let's, let's call him a super fan. Um, it seems like he's got, you know, the posters on the walls and... He's, he's very much into the seven and the soups. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's hearing all this stuff on the news about soups day after day um, and, and about super terrorists and just the, the shit going on with him. And he eventually suspects some guy at the corner store of being a soup, uh, a soup terrorist, actually, um, I think, and, and mm-hmm. goes and actually kills him with a gun. Turns out he's not a soup. He's just a regular dude. And this guy has just... Yeah, kill the guy. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is a really frightening portrait of someone being radicalized by, yep. um, you know, highly highly charged coverage of hyper specific things. Um, and this is something we're seeing on a daily basis. Like people are getting radicalized. They're not. They're not. They're not coming to conclusions based on any kind of like serious journalism or analysis of statistics. It's like, oh, I just watched three dozen videos of immigrants beating people up, and now I've decided that my country has an immigrant problem that has to be solved right now. Um, and there's a lot of things like there's a documentary that came out a couple of years ago called "The Brainwashing of My Dad," where someone is looking at um, how like you know Fox and like. Uh, um, Sinclair, uh, One American News Network have been steadily radicalizing, especially older generations of Americans. But you know what what they're doing, like with mainstream media, a lot of places like and are happening in the shadowy parts of like Twitch and and YouTube, where you can just uh, you know instead of like having to wait for a particular host to come around at the eight p.m. segment to tell you how much you can hate people, you can just watch that shit all the time. Sure, you know if if you get his mainline it just like you know forget the commercials forget the the actual news forget the press conferences just watch the just watch black and brown people uh tearing shit up all the time um you are gonna and... have to sit through a couple of like survival bucket uh internal sure. ads yeah. right like yeah. they some, have some vitamins the... and nootropics yeah yeah <laughs> they have the alex jones analog in there which i you know i appreciate it you can you can tell he's got that raspy uh shitbag voice it's kind of like I thought it was like a like splitting the difference between Alex Jones and Rush Limbaugh, like the sure. old gen- the old guard passing the torch to the new guard of of blowhard. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean this this shit and and the other thing like just um, just to, to cover all my bases, uh, this can happen to left leaning people just as easily. Um, it's I don't oh, think yeah. it's, I didn't it's, get it's, the it's impression that this guy was like right or left. I thought he was just a dude who, who in particular is isolated. I think that's the biggest thing they're trying to make here is this is all he's hearing. Um, Right. And, and like he puts in his headphones, he walks past people during the day. He doesn't talk to anyone. 
That's it. He he smiles at women, hoping they'll smile back. But he, you know, that he is he willing to do any? Yeah, there's there's a lot of like they 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 do, they do so much cultural commentary in in this 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 first three four minutes. But I do feel like it's there's some people that might feel smug that that couldn't happen to them. And I'm just telling you, <laughs> it's not as big a problem right now because we don't have people running for Congress like the way you know that that they're running on like eat the rich guillotine Wall Street platform. But another ten years, it might happen, and that's going to be. It, you're, you're at risk to be victimized and radicalized on either end of the political spectrum if you let it happen to yourself. If you again abandon critical consensus of experts and statistical analysis in favor of hyper individualized um, anecdotal data, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's scary. It's scary because it turns this person who's like just a dude, like you said, into. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like it, the other thing is like they don't. It's just a scene. It's as a vignette. Like, what happens to this guy? It's it's uh, obviously it becomes um, it's a background thing for the rest episode. You, you hear like Storm uh, Stormfront and Homelander talking about, oh, sure, we disavow this act of this lone wolf, but also the broad it doesn't affect our broader and and that you know you see that kind of stuff too when you have a shooting of a mosque or a temple or a, a black church. It's always a lone wolf, but you know. Yeah, but then you have a couple people breaking windows during a protest, and it's suddenly the entirety. Right. Of, of it's a, the entirety of a fucking movement. Right. Yeah. 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 Sure. Um, it's uh, it's it's scary. This this scene's like this is as as much fucked up shit that happens in uh, the boys. This uh, these opening scenes are amongst the scariest as, as as far as like happening in real life. I think. Uh, so the next scene is the forces of good uniting. Uh, it's the boys, it's Lamplighter, it's Grace, and the anti-soup congresswoman uh, who's it needs needs some protection. Um, they, they need to know more about why they're conducting these experiments at Sage Grove before they take their shot, and Grace knows where they can get some info. Uh, she doesn't say anything about where that is, though. And, and we see Butcher yeah. getting a, a call from a strange number. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also Butcher not being happy with the way they're pr- prosecuting this war. Uh, you know, he's, he's like, you get the cunt and you squeeze him until he gives up the next cunt and then you kill him. Yeah. You know, and they're, it's funny because the colonel's right. It's like, I, you know, the, well, this is just a prescription for a cycle of unending, escalating violence. Yeah. But on the other hand, going through the, look, like, look what happens with going through the official uh, channels. I, this show's kind of nihilist, right? <laughs> yeah, what's like, the recourse here? Yeah, I am waiting for like, okay, what is the actual answer? Um, because yeah, I, mean, I guess like, you fight I guess soups civil with soups. Civil war among superheroes with us on the sidelines—that's not a satisfying answer, but it seems to be where the show is going. Um, yeah, we'll it, I, it's almost the inevitable conclusion here because I don't think there's any force that can stop the soups other than soups. Yeah. Yeah, and no one's willing to like take a stand and ratchet down the rhetoric. Um, yeah. Maybe you know, maybe you could have someone like Storm or Starlight, but shit, she's just been turned into a super terrorist. So sure, there you go. And you know, Congressman Newman is support. Like you know, she's now like the, like Homelander's been kind of calling her out, and Stormfront has, and now she's going to be like, how soon is it? You know, how, how when is she going to be targeted? Um, yeah. Did she make it out of that room with her head intact? I think she did. She does, yeah. Grace shuffles okay. her off out of out of the I room. Th- I thought so. I thought so. Which we'll talk about it. It maybe gives us some indication as to uh, who's doing this. 
you know mm-hmm. uh, we've we've speculated about who might be doing this but we'll get there inject uh, newman with compound v it's the only it's the only answer there you go Inject newman and all of the house judiciary oversight committees they all need compound v immediately she'll probably get like <laughs> the the ability to i don't know grow her fingernails really long on command i have no sure. idea adamantium adamantium nails yep. no just long nails just regular just human long, long nails yeah <laughs> they'll be all curly it'll be, oh it'll be no real gross. oh no yeah. she has the superpower of setting the new guinness book of world records for longest <laughs> fingernails hell yeah <laughs> uh that, that's the thing it seems like such a crapshoot when you make a superhero right this way yeah it's just yeah. they get the you power gotta... they get and Going to get a dick tentacle, or are you going to get a Homelander, you know? Yep. All right, Annie's mother meets her for coffee to mend things between them. Unfortunately, she's made a big mistake. She called ahead to Vought to clear some time off for Annie um, so they could go away. And, of course, Vought is after her, and they bust into the coffee shop and capture her. This this confirms, right? We were wondering, okay, is had she officially flipped sides? Is, is taking this tracking device out going to be the stamp on that and yes in fact it is yeah it's seen as a provocation by Vogt and uh but I tell you, I audibly gasped when I when she started talking this mess about uh pre-clearing this going away trip with Vogt I'm like oh and just as soon as I was like but that means here comes Black Nor <laughs> busting through like the Kool-Aid man uh-huh um did you recognize Gass, Starlight's gas go ahead yeah gas doesn't do anything to her like they, they hit her they hit the entire restaurant with gas canisters and her mom Passes out immediately. Yeah, instantly. Yeah, yeah. And she's there, like looking around, like nothing's happening. Hardly. Shh. These soups have some kind of like above average protection against a broad variety of things. But then, yeah. then you got lamplighter can burn himself to death. That seems ridiculous. Right. Uh, so they're yeah they're all over the map. Um, and the gecko, you know, he's not invulnerable, but he can regenerate really quickly. It seems um, like we're just gonna have to track this stuff individually by soup from what we yeah. see actually on screen and and not infer too much other than maybe like strength and general resistance to physical damage. It, and it does seem like if you make it to the seven, you should be well nigh invulnerable, but then Lamplighter. Right, right. You know, he's he not. He wasn't a seven, like, but he's not. Yeah, yeah. Maybe only he can light himself on fire. I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but um, did you recognize that her? Uh, we've seen Starlight's mother a couple times, but this is the first time I put two and two together and realized that she's uh, one of the lesser-known Cusack siblings, Anne Cusack. Yes. Uh, who also last time I saw her was Chuck's wife in Better Better Call Saul. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's nice, nice seeing her again. I always in, mm-hmm. in, enjoy when she shows up. Yeah, she's great. Uh, not sure. Uh, is she going to be a boy now? Because <laughs> she's. Uh, she's as wanted as Starlight, probably. Vaughn had no problem throwing her into the super detention room. Yeah. No, I mean, it seems like it. They take her to the, the boys' HQ after this, right? Yeah, got to. Uh, and Annie in this scene is kind of lamenting the fact that the bad guys never get punished, which is kind of something we talked about up front. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, and that kind of, that makes everything that they do pointless. Because, you know, if the good guys are going to do good and it's just going to be nullified by the bad guys, what's the point? It's a really great speech by the colonel later on in the episode where she talks about that, that like, you know, sometimes you just have to let go, 
you know, if, if you continue a particular mission, it's going to lead you, you're going to not get the things you want. You're going to lose everything. Yeah. Um, and like I said, as I said, the show feels at this point at in its, in its current empire strikes back mode, it feels very nihilist. Like shit, just try to f- live the best life you can in this shithole because trying to actually do something about it is going to get you killed. Sure. All right. Next up is Frenchie being tasked with keeping the Congresswoman safe. Huey's tasked with babysitting Lamplighter and Butcher gets a call from his mom who says his father's dead and he agrees to see her. Mm-hmm. The super porn. <laughs> <laughs> what what is Grace calling Frenchie? Is it Serge? Like I didn't, like a, like I a didn't Sergei pick that kind up. of thing, Serge? Um, I, I thought she made reference to Sarajevo, like a, some kind of like hand waving to some black ops they had done in Europe a long time ago. I didn't hear her like call him a pet name or something. But I could no, his I assumed his real name. Like Frenchie is obviously oh, not his real yeah, name. Right? Yeah. It's his pet name. But like, <laughs> sure, sure. I thought maybe she was using his real name and I didn't pick up what it exactly was. I think it's maybe Serge. Could be. Uh, she could be talking about the Serbs in Sarajevo. <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> I do like that at the, the end, she says, no abandoning your post this time. It's like, okay, she remembers the history that they've got here, right? But also, uh-huh. she's trusting him again. Um, yeah, and it's like, because I thought, it's like, is this a dig? But Frenchie certainly didn't take it as that. He took no. it as kind of like a a, vo- a vote of confidence. Like, you know, I'm telling you not to, but also, it should go without saying, but I'm saying, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, just, just to point out that I'm trusting you with the exact same mission, Except for now, the stakes are even higher. Like, it's not just like, uh, you know, me losing my grandkids. It's like, you know, the death of democracy kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it does make me wonder, is, is are we going to have something where Kamiko goes rogue? Maybe, like, goes in to try and take out Stormfront or something, and Frenchie's supposed to be with her monitoring the Congresswoman, and then he's got to go off, and, and he's got to make a choice between his mission and Kamiko. I don't, I don't know if I, I want to see that. That's yeah. From a storytelling pre- pre- presentation, that's a that's a that's not a story arc. That's a treadmill. Yeah, uh, for that's sure. my only. I mean, it well, makes unless sense, he makes the think... other decision, right? Unless he decides right, to stay on that's... mission, and then Kamiko right. suffers as a result. But maybe they subvert it, and he's just shows just the futility of trying to change yourself <laughs> or your circumstances. You know how fucking nihilist do they want to get in this show? Sure. Uh, and this scene also is. Is is this a scene where we are introduced to the seven themed porn? Oh no, I think it's later. It it is like yeah, you see uh someone with the the deep uh, a fake deep with a uh, inflatable portrait stand porpoise standing in front of <laughs> standing in a, a kiddie pool with a, a big fat ass in the foreground. Yeah. So it's an introduction, but they do <laughs> they do a lot more with the theme later on for sure. They sure do. Holy shit! Uh, all right, Annie wakes up in a super proof room. And begs to be let out. Just that's a very quick scene. Yeah. Do you think that these super rooms are customized to to the person? Because not completely. They got they got bioluminescent lighting. It seems like they're like lighting with glow sticks, which uh-huh. seems like it's purpose built for anti Annie. But like, hell, there could be a super that gets energy from bioluminescence, and now you're fucked. Like. Well, and also, like, if... it's it's this question of, like, how do Annie's powers work, really? Because they use electronic security locks on all these doors. Are you it's telling true. me that she has to be able to actually see the energy in order to pull from it? 
maybe it's insulated somehow like you know like it, is her powers defeated by just insulation you know but it can't be 100% custom tailored for Annie because later she's let out by the security lights that come right. on you know the, the light backups or whatever so clearly right, they yeah. didn't they didn't have this cell just for her or they would have not had those in there yeah, no, I, I did feel like this is um, they they just established it's a super proof room. It's six foot steel, and they even said like mostly super proof. Like like you know, you're not gonna understand that like you could lock Homelander in there and everything would be cool. But right, it's and as, they can't even as lock good as you can Annie get. in once she gets her powers. Right, right, right. Like uh, six foot steel is great, but you still got like a one inch thick steel door holding the whole thing together. Right. Yeah, the weakest link. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then Huey's watching seven-themed porn with Lamplighter. Uh, he compares himself... Well, okay, Lamplighter compares him to a cuck uh, first, and then he compares himself to that. But then Lamplighter goes one step further, says he's not even that good. He's a cuck fluffer. It's it's a hilarious scene uh, filled with seven-themed porn uh, sure. tributes and just like... Yeah, yeah, it's good. Uh, so if you don't know, um, you know, cuckold, cuck porn is is uh, shortened from cuckold, which is an old timey word for committing adultery on someone without their noticing. Like if you were to sleep with your friend's wife and he doesn't know about it, then you would be cuckolding him. Um, I just, I just assume I, I'm so fucked up. I, I have this uh-huh. strange relationship with the internet. I'm so. I just assume that everyone knows what this is, but yes, go ahead and explain. No, I figure that more. like, yeah, because this is like it's this is stuff that's just this has been the internet kind of like lingo that's just starting to come out into the mainstream. Um, so yeah. the modern usage of cucking is uh, there's a fetish where you know you might like to see your partner. There's there's this cuckold, which is the male version, and a cuck queen, which is the female version that you enjoy seeing. Uh, like it's 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 part of a, humi- a humiliation. Um, fetish where you know like you enjoy seeing your wife plowed by a man that's more endowed than you and a lot of times there's a racial component that like yeah. uh, you, you want to juice it up it's a black man you know having sex with a white man's wife who's white um, so that is popular in America and like Pornhub's done studies where it's popular in certain segments of America like hmm. it tends to be more popular in south and the midwest than it is in the coasts draw your own conclusions Um but uh, it is it is a thing. I don't get it, but yeah. it is a it, it is definitely a thing. And now the other thing is a fluffer. Do you know what a fluffer is, Jim? Uh, typically on a porn set, you'll have uh, various means of keeping the actors in character. Let's say, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. especially yeah. the male actors. Um, and a fluffer is someone who is in charge of that. I've heard that that's kind of gone the way of the dodo with the invention of Viagra. Sure. But you don't have like on staff fluffers. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's what's so so if you're, you're, you're what's worse than a cuck fluffer or what's worse than a cuck is a cuck fluffer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there you go. There's your porn education <laughs> you, for the day. You. <laughs> next yeah, week we'll talk about you're... next week. We'll talk about how Pornhub gets around incest porn laws by calling everyone stepbrother, you know? All right. <laughs> Yeah, let's do the it. The more you pour, no. <laughs> do, 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 do. Okay, yeah, let's move on to... Can we get a rainbow? Can we get a star shit in a rainbow cro- coming across the screen here, Jim? <laughs> uh, next up, Homelander and Stormfront speak at a rally and claim they need to make more domestic soups. 
They also claim that Starlight was a mole for the people who murdered Translucent. Uh, Huey sees it on the news and he springs into action. Lamplighter tells him where Annie is probably being held, which is Vaught Tower, and Huey asks for his help to bust her out. Yeah. Um, is this rally? I mean, I kept on thinking when I was watching, is this rally like too heavy handed, too on the nose? Um, but like, it does feel that we are moving towards a post fact society and you can oh, say yeah. whatever the hell you want in, in, in arena such as this. And no one really stops and is like, well, Hey, wait a minute now. Um, no, these people are completely shameless. Um, yeah. they, they will say absolutely anything that benefits them in the moment. You know, even their own words be damned, uh, their own previous words. Like, it doesn't matter. It literally doesn't right. matter what they say mm-hmm. or yeah, what they do. Because no one, because, because, uh, it, the, the, it, like the things you hold dear, it's like there aren't these shared values anymore. It's like agendas that both sides, that, that, that sides have, and whatever you do in the furtherance of your agenda is okay. And the other side hates it, but that's okay because yeah. that's that's their. It's not because of any moral standing. It's just because they're pissed that you're able to get something done and they can't. Um, yeah, it's not even an ideological war anymore. It's yeah. simply a. It's a culture war. That's that's all it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's like just how, like how I many... hate you because you're you, and I'm with right. this person because they're with me. That's it. Right, and if whoever has the most people on their side is going to win. Um, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, but I, so there is also some more soup porn in this episode or in this season. Um, mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure what it was. Like, okay, clearly it's it's uh, a gay gangbang. It, it seems like it. The guy's asking for seven cocks in him at the same time. Who who <laughs> is seven. who is this soup supposed to be though? Is it? It's not Homelander, right? He's got red boots and a red cape, but it's an all red cape. I don't know. I really don't know if it's supposed to be if it's supposed to be an actual because like they're using their actual names like Starlight pulls an A train, you know, like, like right. but I thought some of them also were kind of like the off kind of like, you know, when they broke into the costume store, you had the official seven costumes, but then you also had the ones who were just, you know, like Home Ranger, you know. Uh, I, uh-huh. I wonder if um, you know you Homelander's just... cool with like being starring in cut porn where he's cucking some dude, but if he's a gay guy trying to get this the seven that ran up his oh, ass, he would. He's like, nah, that. you can't, you can't. He'll he'll go and burn your face off. So yeah. they do a home ranger type of person. So, so I looked in the credits because they they have some of these characters listed <laughs> in the credits. Uh, Shit, yeah. The Homelander analog in this porn video is called Home Banger. <laughs> Uh, mm. and you might have to explain this one as well. I don't know, but there's a character called Snowflake Cuck, uh, and there's also a character called Porn Jack from Jupiter. And I'm not sure if this is an Easter egg, a comic spoiler, or what. But Jack from Jupiter is apparently in the comics, and I tried not to read too much into it because I didn't want to know too much. Yeah, you get on the boys' wiki, the and it's yeah, it's it's the you get in the boys' wiki, and it's. Uh... Spoiler Palooza. But I don't know what Jack from Jupiter looks like. I'm thinking maybe this is the, the guy that's in this scene. Hmm. Could be. Could be. Because, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think Homelander would like, uh, would would look too kindly on the director that made him uh, take seven cocks in his ass. No. But what do no. I know? Yeah. Uh, so Butcher shows up at his mom's house, but it's a setup to get Butcher to talk with his father. 
we find out that Lenny killed himself because he couldn't handle his father's abuse or or something along those lines. There was some flashpoint moment, but I'm not quite sure. Maybe you can talk about it here in a second. Um, his father's not sorry for it, claiming that Butcher, uh, everything he did made Butcher stronger. And Butcher chokes him, but eventually lets him go and storms off. Uh, I was delighted by these two cameos. First up, you have um, Leslie Nickel, who is Mrs. Patamore, the cook from Downton Abbey as Butcher's mom, which okay. I thought was spot on. And then John fucking Noble, uh, yeah. Denethor from Lord of the Rings, uh, who crushes that role as this uh, maniacal, cold, uh, terrible father. He's just so good at being this. Uh, you can you can definitely see him being warm and affable, and he has a little bit of that as Denethor in Lord of the Rings, but he's also just fucking diabolical to rip Billy Butcher off. Um, yeah. I do think they're setting up something of a little mystery, and I don't know how much more I need to know about Lenny, but they want me to, where it's it's clear that Butcher, that Billy blames his dad for what happened to Lenny, right? Yeah. But then his father says something like, you know, when he put his gun, the gun in his mouth, you took off the, S, the, the SAS, the Secret Air Service. You're the one that abandoned him. And I'm like... So did his brother make a suicide attempt that was foiled, and then Billy fled to the uh, the special spe- uh, special forces to get away from that, and then his brother actually killed himself? Like, what is? Because hmm. there's a difference of opinion of who's responsible. Um, yeah, it's uh, a good question. I'm not quite sure. Because what of his what does his dad mean? Like, well, when he stuck, if he stuck his gun in his mouth and blew his brains out, and then went to the special forces, like, how is that abandoning your brother in any fucking like abandoning your family? Maybe, but he said you're the one that abandoned him. So, yeah, I, I feel like there might be a little bit more to the story that, and that's interesting only insofar as us understanding his relationship with Huey. Right? Is is he trying to say like? a guy who cared for his brother once his brother killed himself would come back and hunt down the monster who killed him. Almost saying like the fact that you didn't kill me means you're, Mm. you abandoned your brother and you're weak or there could could be something of that in there. Cause this guy's fucked up, right? He also, he might've been goading butcher to kill him rather than dying slowly of ass cancer. He might've been like, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather my boy choke me out or kill me and break my neck. Um, Almost like sealing the deal of of this lifetime of like trying to teach him to be hard. Right. Right. This will be the last thing. And, and you know, this is like, this is pretty time tested tropes, you know, that like, there's only one way to be a strong person. You have to have all this abuse and it makes you stronger and blah, blah, blah. Like I, I don't know. I reject that dichotomy. I think that, um, you know, people can be strong from, in fact, maybe even stronger from, uh, well-rounded, um, being raised by well-rounded people. I mean, there's a reason that the fucking Spartans didn't take over the whole goddamn world. Right. Like, you know, there's only so far that hyper military shit can get you. Uh, and apparently it can't even get you out of fucking ancient Greece. <laughs> so I, I do think that they could do something interesting. Like, you know, like Huey can be a refutation of his dad and Lenny's weakness, or it could be something that paralyzes Butcher in the future. I don't know. But like, I also wonder if they'll ever resolve that. Like what actually happened to Lenny? And again, to me, it's only interesting insofar as it says something about Butcher and uh, his relationship with Huey. 
Yeah, and I think, um, you, you know, hard times can certainly shape you. Um, we're we're seeing that with a lot of our society now, and and in the show, like Annie is having some hard times, and it's definitely having its toll on her. Um, but also, if you're a strong person, the only times when your courage and strength needs to come out is during hard times. You know, if everything mm-hmm. is good and rosy, you may be strong, you may not be strong, but if you're never tested, you'll never know. Uh, sure. And, you know, it's it seems like Butcher has been not just tested, but purposely crafted into this monster. And we'll see, like, kind mm-hmm. of the results of that later in this episode, um, which is why I think this scene even exists in the first place is just so that we... Like, oh, this is the episode where we want Butcher to go and threaten this guy and be be a monster. So let's see a little bit of why he's a monster. Um, yeah. You could have done this with be. a flashback, you know, like like you were saying with Lenny stuff. You could have done this. But but then I wonder, are they are they saying, okay, well, we don't want two flashbacks back to back. Like, they did mm-hmm. it so well with Frenchie last episode. Maybe they didn't want to just repeat that cycle uh, with Butcher right. here. And so they tried well, to I, invent I, a way to do it better. As someone who gets, oh god, that's like Ryan Murphy's stock and trade is like you know justification of character stuff, flashbacks. Like it can get to be a little much. Yeah. Like if everything that you need to know about a character comes in like a convenient five minute flashback right before you need to know it, that starts feeling really writerly, really quick. For sure. Um, but well, also this like, felt oddly writer writerly. Like oh, they wanted yeah. they needed him to go talk to his dad this episode because they want me to know he's a monster before he just turns into a monster. Right. And, and I love Carl Urban's performance. Like he's so oh. maniacal, like his, like the way he does, it's like, it's like vintage, um, Eomer finding out like choking worm tongue to death. Cause he wants to fuck his sister after he deposes his uncle, you know, like it's like, this is some old school rat. Just, yeah. Like butcher's a scary, scary person. Um, Even more so after this episode, like God, that tea drinking scene. And wow! Yeah, wow, Carl I mean, Urban. Yeah, yeah. There's there's another one. I I'll, I'll wait for my commentary on that. But yeah, it's it's that's another good one. Another good one. Yeah. So after the rally, Homelander tells Stormfront that he thinks it's a mistake to keep Starlight alive. Uh, Stormfront doesn't think so. Uh, baby catches her eye because it reminds her of her 80 year old daughter, and Homelander decides I'm going to take you to see my son Ryan. Hmm. Since we're talking about offspring, um, I wonder if this is how much of this is um, engineered by Stormfront, and how much of this is just her, you know, like Homelander. Did she want to meet his kid? Did she know about his kid? She I'm had not sure to, she, have, right? I'm not sure she knew. Man, if she's if she was an old G Vought, like from day one, literally was banging Mister Vought, yeah, like it. Good point. I find it, and and also like how oh. in love she was with Homelander, knowing all she was about it. And I guess the question Stan is Edgar as well, who is running that's, this whole thing? How much does Stan know about Stormfront? Is more of a question yeah. than I have about how much does Stormfront know about the inner dealings of Vought. I just assume she knows everything. Well, I mean, I have questions about like how much is Vought's mission still tied up in Liberty's mission, the original yep. mission of Vought, sure. like yeah. Have things changed? Is this now more of a pharmaceutical, you know, a, a more of a finance-driven thing than, than you know, this race race war-driven thing? Like, I don't know. Because there's also an interesting way you could say that, like, you know, making a point about systemic racism is that, like, uh, you know, Vought, the company, um, if they're not racist, why are 92% of all superheroes made white? 
Yeah. It could be not from any kind of on, like, you know, like uh, they've forgotten their roots, but something in the system keeps perpetuating. Well, you know, white people test better in marketing because, you know, we associate white people superheroes like, you know, it's just a, it's just a business decision. It's not where ra- right. that's the difference between this, these systems that keep perpetuating themselves, keep perpetuating their own conditions and their own, you know, way of doing things long after the the actual malice is gone um so are they doing that or is it just stan edgar also secretly evil uh don't know secretly still racist that it's that remains to be seen then homelander introduces stormfront to rebecca and ryan uh stormfront tells him that he's the first natural born superhero which the first Really, since the 1930s, no soup that you've made and released into the wild has ever procreated? Never, not once? That's well, shocking the, the to me. passed on the super genes. And I, I think it, I'm, I'm more convinced than ever it's a work. There's uh, No, uh-uh. They, they just shot that baby full of V. They yeah. shot that baby full of V. I, there's no way that, they, that this is, was genetically passed. I, I don't believe yeah. it. I think this is... This is uh, uh, this this might be the one thing Homelander and Stormfront don't accurately understand. Could be. Um, and now that uh, Doctor v- Vogelbaum, uh, Vogelbaum, I knew, knew something weird. Uh-huh. Uh, Doctor Vogelbaum got his head popped. Maybe no, that that that'll be a surprise that we discover together. But I'm that's my number one theory is that Ryan is not a natural born superhero. Yeah, that would make a certain amount of sense. Uh, but Homelander wants them all to be a happy family. God, this is super uncomfortable. All this like parental transgression and there's oh, yeah. nothing she can do to stop it is uh, oh Jesus Christ. It's the worst. It's the worst. Yeah. Uh Lena tells Maeve that she's going to stay with her sister because of the video she saw and just, you know, how it's changed her opinion of Maeve. Uh Maeve claims that Elena's finally getting what she wants, which is to see the real her, but it's kind of scary. It's tragic, man. Sometimes you hide your true self from someone and they know it and they want it and then they get more than they bargained for. And yeah, uh, especially with her. Yeah, that flipping like, you know, Maeve can be scary too, or flipping that table out of nowhere. It's it's funny that uh like um it felt like maybe Elena was frightened of her for the very first time. Yeah. Uh it's really seeing what she's capable of, not just physically, but but morally. And um I don't know. It's like there's like a lot of backhanded compliment there. Like, I wish I was as strong as you. Like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I wish I was strong as you did so I could. Is is Maeve strong by going along with the flow because she's afraid for her own skin? And those who is, is that what makes someone strong? Yeah. Good um, question. Put up with moral atrocities. The, you know, that's that, that the, the, this episode constantly plays with that. Like what's 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 the right thing to do to fight injustice even if it's going to get you killed to stand up even if it's futile like what what is the right thing to do yeah by what means do you fight um you know Mm -hmm. are you just gonna fight evil with more evil uh Mm -hmm. do do you have to do that is that yeah the only effective means um and what are the after what's you know the aftermath and the the fallout from that all all kinds of things Mm -hmm. that they're hinting at here uh, but Grace shows up at John, jo- sorry, Jonah Vogelbaum's house with M.M. and gets in uh, on the, the strength of her name. He recognizes her. Uh, they ask what he knows about the tests going on at Sage Grove. He claims to not know anything, and Grace tries to be both good cop and bad cop in this scene. 
uh, not a very effect, effective tactic, I wouldn't think. He, like, mm. Everybody knows what she's doing here. Uh, guy's not interested in helping them because of what Vought would do to his daughter if he did help them. Uh, and afterward, Grace tells him, and just look, drop this whole thing, go back to your family because I wish I had, and we, we're screwed here. There's not much we can do at all. Man, does uh, does the Colonel make it out of this season? Because everything, like... Butcher men- men- mentioned how unusual it was for her to just give something away for free, and now she's essentially telling M.M., I'm going to give you the same deal. Here's your family. Here's your wife. A free ticket to Nicaragua. Just get the hell out. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like a per- it's, It seems like her arc is 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 approaching turmoil. I was kind of surprised she made it out of this episode with her head intact. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it I mean, like that's it. that is like, a, what is the right thing to do? Is the right thing to do? You know, when, when is it right to stand up? I mean, we just we've talked about it all episode long, uh, but I just really enjoyed this scene and the dark counterpart with Butcher later where, you know, it's, is, is, is that right to force a person to do the right thing? You know, uh, it, it's, 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 it's interesting. So much of the stuff is black and white. This kind of like, well, what do you do in the face of this kind of evil? What's yeah. the right play? Um, yeah. And I, because I don't know. she's got the line. Some things are more important than doing the right thing. Um, yeah. Which, I feel is on the face of it untrue. Um, mm-hmm. There is nothing more important than doing the right thing. However, people have moments where certainly they value things more important than sacrificing themselves upon the altar of of righteousness. Sure, sure. Uh, and I I find it hard to blame people for that because people are people. Uh, and, yeah. and I wonder if that's like part of what Elena is going through with Maeve. Like Maeve is you know fighting, standing up against Homelander, and that's why she's strong. Because she's decided to to take on this monumental task, uh, a feudal task almost, um, and yeah. one that's almost certain to get her killed, and yet she's going to do it anyway. Sure, it, maybe that's what Elaine is getting at the the idea of standing up to Homelander with this tape. Maybe, um, if I'm being mm. charitable, but yeah, I mean that like not not being able to not not putting the right thing ahead of whatever personal sacrifice you need to make to do it is kind of what gets us to the place where we are now. Yeah. Because in the counterpart, like how many people stood up to the Nazi regime and got steamrolled before they finally got brought to justice? How many people got disappeared by the Stasi and shot in some gulag before the Berlin wall fell? Like individually, those people were just drips and drabs, but they added up to enough moral outrage. The whole world took notice and forced to change. So yeah, it's like the it, it's kind of like the prisoner's dilemma, right? The individual moral calculus is different than like repeated group act actions, but like yeah. you know, asking people to pay the supreme price when objectively it's not going to matter in the here and now, not for your family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have maximum consequences for very little societal gain. It's, I mean, it is. It's like thank God we do have some crazy ass people that continue in the face of like drug dealers. You know, take lead or silver take the lead you know thank god we have those crazy people or we would just be ruled by thugs and warlords all the time all of human history would be that instead of that being kind of the aberration um at least the for the last couple hundred years <laughs> yeah uh and then we go to butcher drinking at a bar he gets a call saying uh it didn't go well with Vogelbaum, but he says i'll take care of it 
Don't you worry, love. I got mm-hmm. it. I got it covered. <laughs> He's going to bollocks it. <laughs> All right, quick scene there. Uh, Frenchie and Kamiko keep tabs on the congresswoman. He said it's Newman is her name. Mm-hmm. Can't hear that name without thinking of Seinfeld. And I'm watching Seinfeld right now. so <laughs> Even worse. Uh, Frenchie talks about the healing properties of cooking and tells Kamiko that he'd like to learn more about her family. And so she teaches him how to say a single word in her language, gun. Interesting thing to start with, but you know, it's it's uh it's what was at hand. She had that or the air to air missile thing. Did you notice that that like Frenchie is presiding over this wicked looking missile? Is that for some reason I was thinking this was some kind of viewing device, like a like a telescope no. or something. It's a missile. No. It looked like some kind of missile defense system, portable. Is that supposed like, to be a soup defense? It has to be. Like it's worthless if it's not. But I feel like, like it's worthless if it is. I don't know. They, like, I'm saying they've done enough in the last few episodes to show that Frenchie is some kind of chemical genius with drugs that he could maybe make a missile that can anesthetize hmm. Homelander. Maybe. 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 Not kill him, but like knock him out for a minute or two so they could get him. Maybe. Um, it's it's like uh, it's it's betting odds. It's the uh, Vegas would take that proposition. I think they've just but, got a, uh, we'll a, see. a mondo sized almond joy stuffed into the barrel of that thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a broadband. Yeah, it's got some tree nut. It's got uh-huh. some uh, weaponized Xanax. It's got all. It's got a little bit for everybody. Sure, yep. sure. <laughs> uh, then the deep and a train chat at a church party. The church leader tells him that uh, both that he's gonna. Uh, he's got a meeting with Stan Edgar next week, and they'll probably be getting back into the seven. Uh, so start celebrating. He also tells them that Eagle the Archer no longer exists because he spoke out against the church. Holy shit, this is culty. You're you're yeah, you're is... in until you're out, and then you are all the way out. This is some 1984 uh, double think kind of like you know. What do you think about this guy? Oh, he's my best friend. He's like a brother to me. He's a suppressive person. Um, all right, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. And then A-Train, yeah, you know, is looking at this and he sees it for the cult move that this is. But he also wants to get back into seven. And I know I, I think you're supposed to understand here that like, I wonder if they're I wonder if one of them. I, I for, First of all, this guy's saying a lot, but not promising anything. He's essentially says he's got a lunch with Stan Edgar. That's it. Yeah. That's he's going to have a lunch with Stan Edgar. Everything else is his showmanship and salesmanship. Um, I do wonder if uh, there's going to be a situation like it's going to be like the Joker breaks a a cue stick in half and says, all right, there's one job opening. Who gets it? Uh Or is he just full of shit? Because the thing is, is like if he fails, all he's got to do is say, well, I didn't fail you. You failed the program. You know, it was your toxic stuff that you didn't work through. You still hate your gills. You still are addicted to V. It's your problem. It's like it's you know, that's how these fucking cults work. Mm -hmm. If. You get a blessing, it's because the system works for you and the big guy's looking out for you. And if you get cursed, you didn't believe strong enough. You fucked up. Like, yep. there's nothing that can ever point back to the the institution itself. Um, and yeah, it is. It is frightening to see a person like that turn their back on their best friends. I've seen it. I've seen it my own damn life. It's crazy. Yeah, and the other wrinkle here is that, I guess, Eagle... Um, you see this on TV when he's being interviewed. He would not denounce his mother, right? Like she she said something about the church and then he would not totally cut her out of his life. And so he was right. cut off from the church. And God damn, if that isn't my experience with life and, and cults. Mm-hmm. 
You know, mm-hmm. they they nailed it. Uh, yeah, in, in the kind of like over the top silly way that the boys does it. The, the biggest the biggest uh, liberty they're taking is Elrond Hubbard, not a handsome man. No, God no. Uh, this guy is very charming and handsome and appealing. So like uh, ideal cult leader. Uh, I, sure. I don't think Elrond gets enough respect. For how much cult train he pulled with that busted up wagon he had pulling it, you know, (laughs) like this is the pinnacle. This is the pinnacle of billions of years of psychological research and human perfection and 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 getting rid of body thetans. This guy, this guy face like a dead mackerel. That's who you're going to follow. Okay, All right. Yeah. I'm going to follow him onto a private boat. That's a little weird, too. Yeah, don't get. Yeah, he's just, yeah. Don't don't. This guy flunked out of the Merchant Marines. Don't 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 call him a Commodore and get on his boat, man. Don't. No, like I get it. If they, he's got a palace and there's a pool out back and fountains, yeah, and yeah, marble Hugh, statues. Hugh but, Hefner. Yeah. Hugh Hefner. Hefner. <laughs> Hugh Hugh Tom T Hefner could have started a bang up <laughs> cult that people would have gladly followed. Yeah, uh, but when you're on Elrond? when you're on Steamboat Willie's tugboat <laughs> and you're yeah. asking people to join your cult, that's a hard sell. Yeah, and he did it. It's always guys. It's always guys looking like the Unabomber or fucking Elrond <laughs> to start these things. It's not never Jude Law. Fair. Uh, all right. Where were ha- Lamplighter? Lamplighter mm. takes Huey into Vaught Tower mm-hmm. through his college girl entrance, uh, and apparently he well, still that- has access. They were applying the college. They weren't actually college girls yet. Oh, right, right. So they must have <laughs> yeah. been. Uh, well, let's yeah. give them the benefit of the doubt. Just barely legal. Yes, sure. Let's let's give let's give these people the benefit of that. Sure. Uh, yeah. Quick, quick scene there, um, and then another quick. Well, one. But it is interesting because there's a whole bunch of foreshadowing that he doesn't really care where he lives or dies. Like how oh, yeah. Cavalier's like, well, this is either going to get us in or it's going to summon a bunch of guards with AK-47s, like. Uh-huh. There's the first of like, oh, it's it's not that he wants to be the hero; it's something else. And on second watch, I got I got a lot of these, um, but, but I enjoyed that for sure. And then Ashley finds Maeve uh, sleeping with two men in her apartment and freaks out just, because they really need her to be a lesbian. Just a just a pile of naked man ass. Oh yeah, uh, sitting on sleeping on a king size mattress made of of hunk. I'm I'm slightly confused by this scene um oh so so what is she doing here is she drowning her sorrows in sex is she yeah is is she intentionally trying to get under ashley's skin with by defying her public image here what yes. what exactly is she getting all of the above i think yeah she is being self-destructive in a way that is fucking over vaught and homelander's plans for her Okay, um, and also and, you know papering over her her uh, mm-hmm. her pain in the moment, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and I think I could say this is a commentary on you know there's this concept uh, I've learned about in the last year or two about by erasure where it's like uh, there's this pressure to like uh, well people don't really understand how you could be attracted like people can wrap their head around like a homosexual relationship because it's the inverse of a heterosexual relationship, but just like equally attracted to men and women that grinds the old gear. So it's like, you know, you always want to, it's not that there's a couple of, um, I, I, I can remember just blowing up uh, for some particular rapper who everyone was calling gay and he kept on correcting. No, I'm bisexual and bisexual. Mm-hmm. Um, because you, it's, it's much more common to be, 
you know, gay man or lesbian in, in fi- fiction than someone who's just uh, the 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 plays for either team. And that's interesting because even like mess, like even Ashley said, like this isn't this isn't the the clean uh, feel good story we wanted. And you know, Maeve's like, well, fuck, I'm a messy bitch, so yeah, deal. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's like I said, they're they're uh, like like um, Lovecraft Country is another one that's like they are driving in multiple lanes, swerving all over the place. Oh yeah, uh, with with the, the commentary. Then we go to Ryan recreating. Uh, movies with his Lego. Uh, he's impressed to find out that his dad's in movies and he wants to see him. Uh, he also wants to ride his dad's roller coaster. That's, I know what the boys, I got to be clear. That's not a euphemism. Uh, mm. Rebecca's pissed. She takes Homelander outside, plays the mother card, telling him how important it is that Ryan have a mother and that he should understand that because of his upbringing. Uh, and he never had one. And you get the impression at the end of this scene that he agrees to leave Ryan with her. Or at least Rebecca did. got that impression. No, I, I think he I think he was convinced. Um I don't think he has enough guile to play it any other way. I just think that Stormfront uh you know was able to quickly disabuse him of this notion. It's I mean it's a question of do you think that Homelander understands how fucked up and damaged he is? Because if he does, then that maybe plays. If he doesn't, if he thinks like I'm the I'm a god and I'm there's nothing wrong with me, uh I don't need anyone but myself, like he says when, you know, Doppelganger is trying to blow him uh, or he's trying to blow himself. I, I, I wonder. It's, it just makes me wonder. It's tough because I saw like there's some similar scenes in like Casino uh, between Robert De Niro and Al and then uh, Joe Pesci where, you know, you're dealing with a psychotic person and you've got a bond with them. Like they they do on some level still take you seriously and you've got that last card. And you're like, when should I play it? When should I play it? When should I level with yeah. this person to try to keep them. And what happens a lot of times when you do that is like you, especially if you play it too late is you, you appear to win the war, the conversation and the person goes off and they start thinking, you know, cause now they feel bad about themselves. You scored a mortal, you sure. scored a wound that actually got to them and now they're off and they're drinking and they're thinking about what you said. And it's not like, how they can be better it's more of like fuck that guy i can't believe he had this i can't believe they're they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna pull this they're gonna try to make me sound like i got mommy issues and you got someone like stormfront it's just like oh so that's something for her to say she's been lying this kid all life that's not healthy what's gonna like yeah yeah. you know then so i i do think that homelander knows he's got a problem with uh he's got a big mommy shaped hole in his heart and it's fucking him up he knows that yeah but he doesn't like to be reminded of it, especially by someone who's lying to his son and keeping him suppressed. So it's like, sure. I thought it was great. I thought that, and the, 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 the elation that like, you know, the relief that Becca feels just heightens how the betrayal and the anguish that she feels in later. Oh, I, yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was good. And I, I do believe that Homelander is still gettable. Like Madeline did that to him all season last year, like played her cards, but just, she ran out of cards. And I think Becca did the same thing here. Yeah. Um, so Butcher shows up at Vogelbaum's house. He asks what Homelander was like when he was growing up. Apparently he was sweet when he was young. And then they made sure that that didn't last. They they wanted him to turn out strong, uh, which, you know, ties back into Butcher's theme this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Butcher tells Vogelbaum that he's going to kill his entire family today if he doesn't help him. Uh, and he's pretty convincing. Goddamn Carl Urban. The way he takes that cup of tea and just like drinks it in one gulp and then it smiles. Uh, And he's taking it from his daughter, right? His daughter is the one serving that tea. Yep. 
Yep. Yep. Yeah. And it's, and it's the opposite. It's the opposite of, uh, you know, the Colonel came in there and she dismisses the tea cause she's all business where Billy, he's the, he's the opposite. Um, mm-hmm. I love it because it's also like, is butcher a monster? Is he bluffing? Would he do this? I think he probably would. And it's, yes. it's based on the same logic of like, um, you know, cause there's a, this is great. This is some great dialogue and some great acting. Uh, you know, this doctor's like, uh, Hey, I did this. And it's also interesting that they filled his Homelander's head full of like these rugged frontier manifest destiny type heroes. Um, and he's like, did you butcher asked him like in all this God making, did you ever think of the, the, the pain you cause people like me? And the doctor's like, it's not even on my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, so then butcher's like, well, thanks for letting me know, because now I'm going to tell you how I'm going to specifically cause you pain. And I don't have to feel bad about it because you don't even think about the pain that you cause people like me. Um, yeah. And, and there's a bit of what we talked about with it Homelander. It makes sense, right? You know, mm-hmm. un- understanding his damage and and reacting in the opposite way you would want someone to react when they understand how they're broken. Um, they mm-hmm. lean into it. And I think that's what Butcher is doing here, right? He's leaning into being the monster. Okay, his father's going to turn him into a monster. Fine, I'll show you a fucking monster. I'll go to this man's house and I'll kill every single one of his family, become the monster um, that yeah. you say I am, to almost as a weird way to spite his father, but also himself. It's, and yeah, it's self Be a monster for good, you know, kind of. And, and uh, yeah, that's why I have the question, you know, in my rattling around in my head, do you need a monster to fight monsters? Um, yeah. And it's never, I guess, been it, it's it's never more of a question than when you have soups, like literally superpowered beings who you can't fight through any other means. Do you need soups to fight soups? Do you need monsters to fight monsters? God, I wonder if the where they're going with this is that Billy is going to be forced to adopt Ryan with Becca <laughs> and use some of his dad's psychology to make that monster that they need to fight the other monsters, because that would be kind of mm. satisfying as uh, from just a purely again how sh- how fucking nihilist and dark as the show want to get sure um but yeah i this urban's performance here and that line where he's like to tell the truth you weren't even on my radar and he gets up he's like tell me doc what's your radar saying now as he advances <laughs> on him it's it's really good it's really let me, good let me ask you this we've now got compound v being set up um via the Sage Grove facility as a thing that maybe you could inject into adults and give them mm, superpowers. Mm, sure. And they might become perhaps even less stable than someone like Butcher, let's say, would be mm-hmm. uh, normally. You inject Butcher with this, and and okay, mm. now one of the boys, you know, uh, well, I guess one of the original four boys um, has yeah. superpowers, and it's the monstrous one, right, who's going to go off and do monstrous things to Homelander for good. Mm-hmm. What does he become after that? And you know, he you warps you back around see... to being a pure white paladin. He's just no sure. evil in him at all. Uh-huh. <laughs> Turns into Lenny. Uh, it's ultimate horseshoe theory. He just he just bend back around. Yeah. No, it, I don't know. There's all kinds of places this show could go, and I don't know where the comics go. Uh, yeah, same. And, and I kind of don't want to find out because those possibilities that are rattling around inside my head are one of the most interesting things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Lamplighter takes Huey to where he thinks Starlight is. He notices that he's not in the Statue of the Seven anymore, and he's disappointed because it means that he can't 
carry out his plan of killing himself in front of his own statue. Uh, but he self-immolates anyway. And then the lights in Starlight Cell turn on because there's some, I don't know, fire escape protocol, some emergency protocol in the building. Sure. Uh, she uses sure. that energy to blast her way out. Uh, Huey has you want to watch your super terrorist to burn to death because they couldn't find the exit. Right. Right. <laughs> All your prisoners. Yeah. Uh, uh, Huey has to cut off and take Lamplighter's hand to get past the security checks. Um, Black Noir finds Annie and they fight. And Annie loses, but Maeve steps in and incapacitates him with an Almond Joy. I guess I'll stop there for now. Okay. Um, I was very proud of myself for noticing the the statue switching they were doing because I felt like that really paid off. Although I looked, there's only six people on the statue, the seven, and one of them's got no head. And I don't know who the hell they're supposed to be. Like, is it supposed to be them working on transforming someone into Stormfront or something? But like, oh, is it maybe like six figures? No, A Train's on. No, no, no. everyone's okay. accounted for. They got Mave, A Train, uh, even the Deep is still on there. Starlight, um, Homelander, Homelander Starlight is there. Yeah, uh, Black Noir, but there's still there's a there's a head with there's a torso with no head, and then there's one entirely missing, Lamplighter. Um, but uh, that like yeah, the fact that he's wanting to do uh, you know a Buddhist monk in front of the statue and he's not able to. Yeah, Huey. Chopping this guy's arm off, uh, becoming the John. He's kind of becoming awesome. He's he's John Connor in this shit, right? The other thing I noticed, and I've been giving Jack Quaid a lot of grief on our Sunday night uh, si- super sci-fi Sundays. Right. I mean, who's watch. the real monster here? I've been giving him a lot of grief about being Monster Man, but at 41 minutes and 45 seconds of the episode, he turns into a literal Monster Man. As Starlight escapes from his prison and they pivot back to him getting rained on, he makes this. And he's just he's he is like for three frames completely just Boros Karloff Frankenstein unironically. <laughs> wow. Uh he's a monster man. He's a monster man. That's not that you can be a successful monster man, you can be a handsome monster man, attractive, viral monster man. He is one. Uh Boy. all right, I got two questions for you regarding sure. well, three regarding Black Noir. Uh uh-huh. why doesn't Annie blast him? There's power everywhere in this room. She doesn't she just fights him hand to hand. Yeah, uh, that, that's a rhetorical question. It's it's not even. Wait, I gotta I gotta because because I I thought they did a little bit to where she was more than holding her own against him, and then she just gets distracted by the horror of Lamplighter's body, and then she trips, and then from that point, like uh, Black Noir's just on her. And yeah. why can't she get it together enough to focus blast him? I don't know, but like I thought they were trying to tell that story, and they did. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I suppose. Well enough. Um, the other two questions: What uh, is Black Noir black, and is Black Noir dead? I think Black Noir is. He did look like a black man um, okay. underneath the costume. I couldn't tell because he also seems to have some scarring. Um, it's pretty this severe scarring on his face, and I couldn't this tell if true. it was like that was scarred skin or if he's supposed to be a black man, which would make kind of sense if he if he is uh, a superpowered black man in the seven and he's also like completely covered you know head to toe and never yeah, reveals his identity it feels like they're going for like a, a a black version of Deadpool that he is hideously scarred because that's apparently a superhero's power is that he's not he's durable but like you know he doesn't heal perfectly he's he's a lot like uh, Wade Wilson I guess I was also thinking of uh shit what's the the guy in Watchmen? who 
never showed his identity, and then we oh, find yeah, out yeah, his yeah. identity in the series. Rorschach. Rorschach. No, no, no. The 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 guy who turns out to be black. Um, oh, Hooded Justice. Hooded sure. Justice. Yes. Uh, it's a little bit of that kind of yeah, feeling yeah. to me too. I can get that. Is he dead? Um, he got an almond joy down his esophagus, down his windpipe or something, and he's got a tree nut allergy. I mean, she didn't destroy his EpiPen. She just kicked it away. So I'm guessing that he can stagger and over there and inject himself before his throat fully closes. Maybe I'm he guessing. collapses at the end of that scene onto the into yeah. a heap on the floor. So I'm not even sure he's he is, conscious. He is black noir, though. Um the bigger problem yeah, is now that they reveal there's two two black men on the seven, like now they're overrepresented. Thirty percent of the sevens African American when they only make up thirteen percent of population. This is outrageous. Well, I mean zero percent. Outrageous. Zero percent. If if Black Noir is dead, it's zero percent now because A Train's off. Okay. Well now just yeah, sure. You gotta you gotta hopefully find a, a black woman, as we've discussed. Dude, that's that's what will be truly bring balance to the sevens. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm, that'll do it. I I'm sure of it. <laughs> No, I think I I don't know. Um, you have I an do think this racist is... as part of the seven. I'm sure bringing in one strong black woman is going to fix everything. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, I I do I I do think they are there. This is the first time they've actually like foreshadowed some kind of weakness bringing down a seven, though, right? Like we no mm-hmm. one who the hell could have told that he's got a a tree nut allergy. So that puts me on a radar of thinking of like, what's the off the wall weird mundane thing that Homelander could suffer from? Yeah, that we don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's not. It's not. I haven't seen any kryptonite esque uh, substances in the show yet. Especially since I mean, this Almond was also the closest thing we've got to kryptonite at this point, right? And they also loved how they 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 kind of um, highlighted it by mm-hmm. by by focusing, you know, making it be such a prominent thing in the show before. Um, and then Annie in this scene is like, "Was that an almond joy?" Yeah, and it makes me wonder if, like, maybe Almond Joy is actually a secretly popular candy bar, but they, like, the the Vought has campaigned and marketed it terribly so that it's not a very popular to protect Black Noir. Oh, God. We got to get Almond Joy off the streets, but we can't be, we just got to make sure everyone knows that it just sucks. Sucks. (laughs) It's terrible candy. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. You Hmm. You don't want that falling into wrong hands. You know, I hadn't considered that. It's like Superman going on an anti-kryptonite campaign. Like yeah, getting on but not saying media. it's dangerous to me. It's like kryptonite just sucks. It's right. dangerous. It hurts babies. Dogs hate it. It's just, it's terrible. You know, it's tacky. It's garbage you don't want rock. It. It's garbage yeah. rock. Throw that shit you, you in the dumpster where it belongs. You don't want kryptonite rings. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if your boyfriend <laughs> brings a kryptonite ring, dump his ass because that shit's worth more, <laughs> tackier than cubic zirconium. Gotcha. I'd believe it. Uh, so then Huey releases Andy's mother from her cell and finds Andy in the halls, and she's touched that he came for her, but they have to keep moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess there's not much to that scene. It's great. I mean, the Monster Man did a great job. I, I He made me laugh unironically with uh, uh, his reaction to his, the Starlight's mom saying, is that a human hand? Well, yes. Yes, it is. Now, come, come. We're all in danger. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. And then Rebecca makes dinner for her new soup family. But Ryan's not in an eating mood because Homelander has shown him the fake house and fake life that he's been living in. Uh, Ryan declares that he hates his mother, and then Homelander and Stormfront fly off with him. That's it, man. Brave, 
Game over. Bra- Brave May vegetarian lasagna. The the meatless recipe, which to meatless. me is mm-hmm. pretty hilarious. Yep. yep See what you yep. did there. Don't want any sausage. Don't want any sausage no. in that uh, lasagna. Hell no. Uh, no love sausage, I, especially. I mean, this is a good scene. Like, this is probably how it would play out. Like, if your dad comes home and, you you know, he scared you once, but he apologized for it, so he's never going to do it again. And now, like, look, look at your mom. She's telling you think I'm bad. Look at your mom. She's telling you lies. Um, she's trying to keep you, uh, you know, like, is he, what do you see? 12, 13? You tell any 12, 13 year old their parents are secretly keeping a much wider world from them? Oh my God. Yeah, you got instant rebel, uh, rebel, superpowered rebel. Yeah. And this, you know, exactly mirrors the way that Homelander was raised, right? He was sweet until he was five or six. We got Ryan here who's sweet until he mm-hmm. meets his dad. And now he's being, he's under the tutelage of, the world's most powerful uh, superhuman and the world's most racist superhuman. And and maybe they both are, you know? It's like... Sure. What kind of hope is there for this kid to turn out any kind of normal? Yeah, and you're right. That, that scene with the uh, Vogelbaum does some heavy lifting in that it shows that, like, well... You can think, well, you know, Ryan got a couple good years and he's a sweet kid. Well, so did Homelander. He got to a certain age right. before he got twisted and evil. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, it kind of paints a I, much darker picture than I might have. Because I might think, oh, maybe Ryan will be okay. Maybe the lessons his mother taught him, you know, sure. he'll see through all the shit. But no, I don't know about that. Yeah, he throw in some absolute power and it's it's a bad deal. And also just like, man, from Becca's perspective, how helpless like oh, yeah. you have no power. You can do nothing to watch your child just get swept away by these mad people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt I felt really bad for her. Um, how much of a reason do they have to keep her around, Vought? You think there's any I chance mean, that Vought exterminates Becca now that she is well, of no use, or? Is, or maybe is she Vought is cool? Use. Like, like they, they said that the company no longer wants to antagonize Homelander over this, but like Vought went along with this willingly. Like, this was their plan as much as it was Becca's, right? We don't oh, know yeah. exactly. So, I don't know. Is is Homelander going, is like Stan, <laughs> Stan Edgar going to drink a bottle of V and be like, unhand the boy, Homelander, next episode? I fuck, I don't know. I can't wait to watch it, but sure. Um, I don't. I don't know. That's a good, that's a great question, though. What what happens now? Is Vought a little bit more engaged with reeling Homelander in? I mean, we also we we kind of got we we've gotten so caught up in like storm the Stormfront uh, Homelander uh, racist reunion uh, tour that we forgot that like this the season started off with massive friction between Vought and Homelander. And we thought that Stormfront yeah. was something to try to put the kibosh on that, but it might be something that Stan Edgar has lost control over. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, what is Vought's response going to be to this? We haven't seen anything from them for a while. Yeah, and what's what's uh, Rebecca's utility, I guess, to them now? Um, can yeah. they use her somehow? Because she's clearly shown that she's... She has no effect on Homelander whatsoever, right? He's going to do whatever he's going to do. She played, I think she played as her last card and uh, it lasted yeah. for about 30 minutes. I, I get the feeling that like Rebecca, it, she's got to meet up one last time with Butcher, I think, um, in some yeah. way, uh, especially now that her kid is gone. Like that piece of the puzzle is sort of out of the picture now. So maybe that changes her and Butcher's relationship a little bit. But also, he's still a monster, and she knows it. 
Um, I just I don't know where it goes from here, but I feel like this is not la- the last time we've seen Rebecca. I agree. I mean, I think, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what how Butcher reacts to this, whether this changes the calculus about her wanting to get away. If she's going to be liquidated yeah. by Vought, then can Butcher save her? Yeah. Is this going to, yeah. Oh, I had another question about a previous scene. Um, why didn't Maeve go with Starlight? Oh, um, I think she's trying to take down Homelander, and the best place for her to be is within the Seven to do that. Hmm. Or has she given up? Because I almost think that like maybe she's the opposite side of uh, she's yeah. she's essentially the mm-hmm. one good person we're tracking that's kind of uh, at least temporarily taken Colonel Mallory's advice of just just let go let maybe. go and try to make the best out of whatever you got because you know Maeve has now lost the person she cared for and she's got nothing to do but drown her sorrows in vape pens and a pile of boys so yeah I'm just hoping she's the counterpoint to the um the idea that. You know, it's it, Grace's sentiment that it's much more important to, you know, take care of your family than do the right thing. I'm hoping that Maeve, having lost her family, whatever, you know, kind of family Elena was, uh, yeah. is now in a position to just straight up do the right thing. Has nothing to, left to lose. Gotcha. But maybe that's a false hope. We'll see. Um, so Huey... Annie and Annie's mother all get back to the boys hideout. Everyone's there now. Uh, they're all pissed that Lamplighter is dead and Grace calls Butcher who says, uh, not to worry because he's handling it. I. And then Butcher goes and meets with his mother who says that she was only trying to get Butcher to let go of the anger uh, that he's got so that he doesn't become his father. There's no indication as to what Butcher's next move is here, but he's got some path forward and he's a oh, monster. So-, so who knows? I think he's essentially saying, don't worry, I've got Vogelboom. Like, he's going to testify for you because I threatened the shit out of him, so don't worry about Lamplighter. Okay, but he also has this look at the end of the episode, though, after Vogelbaum's head explodes, and he's got this look into the camera that says, I, I know exactly what to do, and it's going to be Oh, do you? Because I had... <laughs> I wrote down my question. I wonder if that's because you... Yeah, I don't know, because I had the thought of, like, this is Butcher thinking, like, he's at his, like, lowest moment. Like, he's filled with rage, Maybe. but it's an impotent rage. And, and that brings, like, a weird, perverse smile to his face. Like, he, he thought it's he a feeling he's comfortable end? with. I I think so. I, it's hard to huh. tell sometimes with Carl Urban if he's grimacing or smiling. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, I thought I thought he was, like, get, he's, like, that's impotent rage. But, yeah. Okay. I, I, uh, because... But but then I I thought that his card was Vogelboom because otherwise yeah, you're right. I have right. no fucking clue I have no they, they he's on some mission side mission to the side mission that we already knew he's on and they're play, keeping all those cards tight to the vest no it's it's definitely Vogelboom you're right about that um, I'm just wondering at the end of this episode if he's got some other card up his sleeve that he's about to play I don't know better. I don't know. Better have a plan. Better be meeting, you know, uh, Lando and Leia at Jabba's palace because right now the Empire's done struck. Yeah, uh, <laughs> guys, a lot lost a lot of limbs this episode more than just Lamplighter. <laughs> uh, there's this final scene, or yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, it's a, a final can we talk about blending. his mother? Like, what what okay. was his? I, I thought what was his mother trying to do? He wouldn't have this whole. See, this is again. There's she, this mystery. There's this mystery with Lenny, and I don't. I don't quite care. But like, also, it could be awesome. But she trails off. She's like, you know, I just, I didn't do it for him. I thought you would be able to let him go. He wouldn't have this hold over you that you wouldn't become like. And she trails off. 
Well, how the hell could he possibly turn out like Lenny? He's nothing like Lenny. Uh, yeah, I read it so, as wouldn't turn out like him, um, his father. But uh, you're right, she does but, trail off. She never actually says it, so I'm not sure. Right. So now you have to assume that his father had the exact same upbringing, which I guess that tracks. But like, I feel like they yeah. need to do something with the narrative to suggest that's true. Um, I, I think there's some okay. mystery with Lenny that is going to be a puzzle piece that fits in. Yeah, uh, I I didn't get any of that coming into this, but I think you've convinced me. Yeah, there's something more to Lenny. Mm. Uh, and we got this final like series of blended scenes um, where the Deep and A Train are watching Eagle on TV explaining what happened with the church. Uh, the Deep says "fuck him," and they turn the channel to the Vought Compound V hearing. Uh, the boys are also watching it. It's kind of like a blending of cuts back and forth. They call Vogelbaum in to testify. And people's heads just start exploding left and right. Uh, Grace is able to get the Congresswoman Newman out alive, but Vogelbaum's head is gone. There, you know, yeah. <laughs> there, there's no chance that anybody. Everyone I, watching in horror, man. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a completely fucked up scene in that boy's way that I love so much. But I, I have so many questions about like, is Vogelbaum really more afraid? of butcher than he is of homelander i guess it's the immediacy of the thing right like maybe okay butcher says i'm gonna do it today i'm gonna do it right now i'm gonna stand up and walk over and kill these people right. mm-hmm. uh kill your family as opposed to homelander may do that you know vaught may well, yeah, do like that homelander, to him in the future yeah or like i think homelander would just zap your head it's like it's like homelander doesn't I don't think Homelander would think to hunt down all of his kids and their kids and kill them all, whereas Butcher yeah. would. You know, it's like uh, uh, Homelander is the the bolt from the blue, uh, the the lightning bolt from heaven, where Butcher is the cluster bomb. You know. Yeah. Um. So it's kind of like, yeah, well, I'm putting myself in danger, but maybe not my family. But th- but the episode kind of under undermines that because i feel like the doctor said as much that like well yeah i don't care you do what you want to me it's all about protecting my family right so yeah Um, but you're right it could be well i've got the gun to the head right now so you can worry about homelander all you want this is happening now you might be right um and and i'm looking at the people's heads who are exploding in this scene and it's vogelbaum it's a bunch of random people who we don't really know um sure it seems pretty targeted, I'd say. Like I'm, I'm gonna say the only guy who we know who gets exploded in here is Vogelbaum, who is you know this mm. this doctor who worked on Compound V and is you know tied with Vought. And it makes me think that maybe a bunch of these other people who get exploded, like the people who don't, I think are the most conspicuous. Mm. The Congresswoman doesn't get her head exploded. Grace doesn't sure. get her head exploded. None of the soups right. there get their heads exploded. To me, One of that them says. Did. There's like a there's like a minor costume soup that was kind of oh, serving A-Train's as a bailiff replacement. Hey, right. that's who it was. That's what I thought it was. Yeah, he gets his head exploded. Right, right. Could they explode? Shit, why would he? Can they explode Homelander's head? I don't because like I don't Homelander, know. when Homelander and Stormfront were looking around, I wasn't sure if they were like theatrically being like bewildered at what's happening. They were trying to like plausibly deniably be bewildered what's happening. They're just callous and they don't like, well, this is something that's like, this sucks, boy. Wonder what's causing it. Like, but you know, with the affect of a, of a cop at Dunkin Donuts, that's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get there. I'll get there as soon as I had my coffee and my Dunkin, you know, Uh uh, 
I I don't I don't know what they're trying to go for that. And like because I said I I hmm. it does seem like that um shoot I've done for Cindy yeah. from the Sage Grove. It seems like that's her deal. She would um, certainly have a, the power to do this. Yeah, it's it's in her wheelhouse. So um horrific effects though. Those those heads exploding and the the stumps of bodies collapsing and <laughs> but she is uh, killing all the Vought people, wild. right? She doesn't. She doesn't seem to be killing any of the non-Vought or or anti-Vought people in this room that we know of. She so, killed the. She killed whoever is the oversight committee chairman. The guy oh, actually fuck. banging the gavel. He he got his head exploded too. Is it, okay, is this just totally random? This seems just completely random. Be, Why? Because that's the other thing. I I don't know. Because like. A fear is campaign. Cindy even on is Cindy even on the le- at leash anymore? Like, is, is she working for Vought or is no? She I just, think she's on her own. Why would she be doing this? Why does she give a fuck? Because they experimented on about, her. I assume. But 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 this is exposing Vought. This would bring Vought down, right? Yeah. Yeah. But she just wants to kill <laughs> kill him. Like, who gives? I'm gives wondering a shit about if this them is getting legally brought up. I wonder if Cindy's a red herring that like, cause like the Could other be. thing, there's a subtle difference. Cindy did full body explosions. Yes. Okay. This other thing that we've seen with uh, Rainer and these people are just head explosions. I'm not saying that she can't just squeeze ahead. Sure. I'm just saying that there is a difference in motif. And I'm wondering if somehow this will be another Vought win where it's like, Oh, we undercovered this. Uh, we found this undercover lab that we're voluntarily disclosing. That was run by another faction of, uh, uh, un, uh, unauthorized, unsanctioned um, f- faction of Vought, and their head super terrorist Cindy is the person that did this, and this is her powers. But secretly, you're supposed to f- realize that they just that it's just another frame up. It's a simultaneous frame up oh, yeah. and clean up of something embarrassing to them. I mean, they're absolutely it's no longer needed. They're going to spin this right. This is going to be super terrorists attacking, yeah. attacking Vought, killing A Train, like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the second time it's happened. Translucent, not A-train, now A train substitute substitute. No, like wait. As, as far as the public a- is concerned, A train. Like they made a point of him. Oh, like they right. own the trademark A train, and therefore and he, he had, will just he has become A train. It's, it's now red, but yeah, he had the A logo on his. his you're right. That is A train. Okay. Yeah, they just replaced him with another dude and kept the same name. So like, yeah, they can now claim oh translucent and now A train. This yeah. is a terror campaign. We've got to go after them yeah. even harder. It's got, yeah. They're going to spin this for sure. Yeah, and the, so yeah, like that, like uh, like Huey says, what the fuck do we do now? I don't know. I honestly, <laughs> with one episode again, this feels very, very much Empire Strikes Back. We're gonna have another episode where we have, uh, you know, maybe a minor victory. You know, maybe you can chase Darth Vader off a of cloud city, but uh, it's things look grim. Things look grim. They- not not a easy path forward. In this scene, they also do another one of those like superhero ass things that they do in this show, which is to have. Th- keep in mind, this is a congressional hearing, like mm-hmm. one of the most formal settings that we have on the planet at this point. Sure. And they're they're in there in their A train costume, in their Homelander mm-hmm. costume, in their mm-hmm. skimpy ass Mave costumes. They are showing up to a congressional mm-hmm. hearing in their superhero costumes. The sure. hell, yeah! You can't you can't get a, a Homelander in a suit, right? I, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. What are you gonna do? It's silly. Uh, but that's the boys for this week. I'd love to see Black Noir in a suit, just him with his like tactical riot gear head with a Armani yeah. suit. 
Or could. like what would Homelander show? What would his suit like? Would it be still red, white, and blue? Would it have a, <laughs> would like the inside of his suit coat have like stars and stripes? Like yeah. what? Like what? I I, uh, I I'm kind of curious to see what that looks like. What's formal super kind of like when Wonder Woman shows up with her uh, in in the the movie where she's in a ballroom gown with her sword holstered into her ass somehow. Like yeah, what's sure. what's the formal what's the formal version of their costumes? I want to see it. I want to see yeah. it. That's it, man. Okay, we got some feedback for this episode. Would you like to consider that with me, Jim? Sure. Why not? J- Jimothy, uh, your formal name. Uh, this this is... Uh, I, I, I got to open up, I say, fully one-third of the Los Angeles metropolitan community sent in to DHS at baldmove.com that Sugarfish is not... An off-brand Swedish fish, hmm. which I had surmised. I thought, oh wow, they, they can they can get clearance from Almond Joy to just run that brand to the ground. But you can't touch Swedish fish. Can't go after big Sweden fish. But no, it turns out Sugarfish is a either overrated, the best, or merely good for its price sushi chain <laughs> in L.A. and other major metro areas such as New York City. Um, so it's like every and, other uh, sushi joint in the world, sushi brand. Yeah, but I guess it's like a world famous sushi chef, and they got like really attractive boxing and presentation, and their price points like ten to fifteen bucks per person. So it's like okay, attainable luxury yeah. sushi. So yeah, they're, they're it's it's sweeping the nation. Uh, everybody's enthralled with it, and so is Queen Maeve, and maybe. Maybe in 10 years' time, if they're really successful and this COVID stuff doesn't kill them, they can open up a shop in Cincinnati. Maybe. Sure. I Maybe. bet that's their next point, their de- next destination. I mean, we're just now getting avocado toast over here, so right. who knows how far behind we are in the sugar fish there. Um, but yeah, no, I'll give credit to Heather J for being the first of many, many, many people to use all social media and, and, uh, uh, and email to, to send in that, that uh, tidbit. So thank you. Thank you for that. Basil, a slightly less popular um, piece of information uh, conveyed to me. Apparently, this is a big thing in the UK, which makes sense because it's Billy Butcher. Uh, Basil says, I'm surprised that in all the reviews I've seen and heard so far, nobody mentioned the reference to the episode title. This was for Blow the Bloody Doors Off. The Bloody Doors Off was the the episode title. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I, for as Americans, the blowing blowing the doors off means like beating someone in the race. Like if you, yeah. you know, pass someone, you blew their doors off, right? Um, but uh, there's a boys comic with this title, according to Basil. But and the most likely inspiration is a very famous scene in the British cult classic, The Italian Job, which I've never seen. I've seen the 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 mod their modern re- uh, remake with Wahlberg and mm-hmm. Ed Norton and all that. Um, but the 1969 version, Michael Caine says uh, that they were testing out something, some explosives, and this this car just gets like, you know, nuclear bomb test sited, and Michael Caine expl- exclaims, "You were only supposed to blow the bloody doors off." So apparently, this is in the UK shorthand for going above and beyond, but not in the direction you wanted to, like you <laughs> okay. know. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. So that makes a lot of sense. Thanks for explaining to us across the pond uh, this little British witticism. All right, on to the real email. And again, I encourage you to use DHS, Department of Homelander Security, DHS at baldmove.com 
uh, to send in your feedback for the boys. Adam's up. He goes, I know it's been a few weeks since you were talking about Black Noir and wondering what their deal is. I've been thinking about it and being uh, with non uh, be, with him being nonverbal, the emotional meltdown in the hallway and the instance of not knowing how to interact with the child. I'm wondering if Black Noir is supposed to be autistic. To be clear, I'm autistic. I know there's a ha- this is a, there's a habit I share with the rest of the autistic community of deciding characters or people are autistic in their own personal headcanon. For example, Zuko, Archer, Dirk Gently. Um, I'm also I know I'm primed to look for that sort of thing. I'd be curious to know what other people's thoughts are, but I'm also not sure I trust the show to handle an autistic character in a way that isn't stereotyped or <laughs> fucked up. I mean, that's not really their <laughs> mo. Yeah. Yeah, they are not exactly addressing issues with tact and good taste, mm-hmm. I would say. Yep. Um, so anyway, uh, what do you think about this? Is Black Noir autistic? Uh, yeah, I mean, in in the way that you are primed to see that stuff, I'm not primed to see it. Um, it's sure. certainly not something I think about in my everyday life, so I, it hadn't occurred to me, but it's totally possible. Yeah. Uh, and it has especially me a little since, worried as well. With the especially way since you have you have already a prominent character as a mute because of trauma. So like I wasn't like going yeah, towards yeah. towards that. I was thinking that that might be well, you know, you inject somebody with V and it does this, it does that. But uh, it makes it makes a certain amount of sense. But yeah, I wouldn't hold out hope that you're going to get. And a, and a very positive uh, depiction of uh, the full rich life of an autistic person from Black Noir or The Boys. Um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know, hey, you're in good company because, as far as I can tell, they're targeting everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Matt S, I have a question about Ryan's importance. Ryan, of course, being the son of Homelander and Becca. Do you think he's the first soup that's power that has powers without being injected with Compound V as an infant? Uh, is that why he's being studied so closely by Vought? Um, I mean, we, we've talked about this before, but only in passing. Do you have a read now, like uh, like now that we're a little bit further in the season, about whether... Because I, I think that the show's point of view so far is that he is the first natural-born super yeah. on the planet. That's what they keep saying. I, I, I don't know why we, as a viewer, are taking that as a given. Like, is it, I mean, well, I don't have anything to refute it. So I guess I'm, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going along with what they're telling me until I have some reason not to. I mean, Stormfront had a daughter, not super. I mean, unless her superpower was getting Alzheimer's and old age and dying. uh, She was not super true. So there's already like a, a, a negative case. Um, but I just think that it's like this kid's been in Vought custody since the day he was born. Why would we assume that this is just is, but but I don't know. It also makes sense that, yeah, like if if he is the first natural born soup, then Vought would take interest and want to isolate him and study him and all that kind of thing, too. But um, I, I think hmm. that I don't think it's open and shut. I think it's an, an intentional mystery that the show has kind of put forth and 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 then a lot it doesn't seem like there's a lot of people that's super interested in it they're taking the the official um story at face value um but i don't know i don't know it's 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 one of those things where it can make sense either way right it's fantasy so sure it's not sure. like there's a scientific answer or something you can divine it's but the show's got a point of view that they're definitely pushing yeah and, and i mean that stormfront uh little factoid there that she's got a daughter who 
didn't it certainly didn't inherit her superpower or one of her superpowers, which doesn't seem like Homelander's son, right? Homelander, uh, his son Ryan has seemingly inherited every superpower uh, that Homelander has, or at least that's the assumption. Um, he certainly inherited some some sort of generic superhero invincibility. Uh, but yeah, her her daughter wouldn't have inherited the the thing that makes her live. Uh, you know, indefinitely long. I don't know. That seems strange. Yeah. Um, and I don't. That's the thing. Is like, um, we've got a couple. Uh, we got a question about that on superpowers. In fact, and maybe I can just skip the end of that one real quick. Um, uh, Vincent, uh, has a question. Do you think that all supers have impenetrable skin by default? Lamplighter seems to respond hesitantly to having a gun pointed at him, and seem to accept that Mallory could shoot him. Um. Yeah, not impenetrable. Like you see, Starlight, even she can be, you know, dremeled into, right? Like, sure, y- you yeah. can do it. Um, it's not like Homelander, where you literally probably can't get through his skin or translucent with diamond skin, whatever. And Gecko has extremely penetrable skin, but he just regenerates yeah. quickly. Good point. Um, there's war- there's more than one way to be well nigh invulnerable, as Stan Lee would put it over on Mar- Marvel Comics. Uh, you can be fastly regenerating. You can have mm-hmm. some kind of magical protection aura. You can uh, be made out of like stern, you know, like uh, what was a Colossus made out of organic steel. That's why he's tough. You can also just regen, you know, very rapid regeneration. Yeah, you can. You um, can have you know stuff pass through you. Um... And, and not be able to interact with, you know, things when you don't want to, that kind of thing. Yeah, it could be intangible, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I I don't, I honestly don't know. Like, I don't know that we've seen enough. We only see the AAA top-tier superheroes, and the regional ones seem like they're much less impressive. Like, does Eagle, does the Eagle the Archer have bulletproof skin? I I don't I don't know. I don't know. He doesn't seem superhero superhuman at all, except for his unerring accuracy of of bow and arrow. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I I I don't know. I think it's too soon to say. But I do think that every time I I see a soup show up, I assume they're going to be a tough kill at yeah. the very least. Okay, uh, Ian writes in. Love your podcast, guys. One part of the episode of the boys I felt was ignored and it frustrated me, which was which was when Frenchie is revived from his overdose, or Frenchie's friend is revived from his overdose. Just when Frenchie is about to leave, his friend gives him a look that says something and says something. It was hard to understand at first, but when I turned on the subtitles, his friend said, "Serge, is that Frenchie's real name or Sergio? Perhaps." Um, I thought, did we not yeah. mention this? Well, you mentioned and I shut it down because I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> okay. I didn't hear it in that kind of. Uh, um, and also, like, I've never heard of someone called Surge. I've heard of Sergey, yeah. but Surge, like, I guess, yeah, I'd never thought of it like being a short from Sergio because I've definitely heard Sergio before. Mm-hmm. Um, could be, could be, but that definitely, that definitely, I think that came up in this episode as well. Um, his, his, his name mentioned a few times and I actually looked up, I, I took a risk and, uh, looked up on the, the boy's wiki and it lists his real name is Sir Serge. So yeah, yeah, it is his real name. Yeah. I've uncovered it. What does it have to do with Fresca? That's what I want to know. That's the world. The world wants to know, uh, <laughs> Groovy D says, would it be beyond, be beyond the pale to want to dive, uh, dive deeper into the owner of the hijacked car from episode six? Assuming it's not beyond the pale, I mean, it's the boys. 
Uh, I don't think anything's beyond the pale for the show or this podcast. He's apparently supposed to be a suburban regular dad with a cute sedan and a car seat in the back. But my dude is driving in the middle of the woods and arms reach away from a uh, loaded pistol in the same zip code as our Nazi DNA testing facility. I'm not saying he's up to no good, but I'm also not saying it. Not not saying it. As a lifelong Pennsylvania resident, uh, it's not the most difficult place to procure and carry firearms, but the person that this guy was projecting, the persona this guy is projecting, doesn't seem like the type to be packing that kind of heat. Um, what do you think about that? Um, I didn't give it much thought. I thought this was a comment on castle doctrine, stand your ground states, you know, Americans proclivity towards guns and gun violence. Look, I, I just think we have, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of millions of guns in this country. (laughs) They're going to end up in glove compartments. Over 400 million. Right. Of, of average everyday kind of suburban pennsylvanians right like they're they're just gonna end up there like i didn't think there was much to dig into on this guy and how weird this is because it's not fucking weird right i, I do think that a lot that's some not people weird. i do think that a lot of people that live in the more urban areas of america think that gun ownership is not as common as it is oh, like boy. fully 50 like again 420 some million guns more than enough for every man woman and child in this country over 50% of U.S. households res- uh, report having a gun owner living under the, the roof. Like, it's it's literally a coin flip, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's certainly more prevalent in some areas than others, but, like, yeah, they're everywhere. I, I didn't I didn't, I didn't, didn't think that's... And I think you'd be shocked at knowing, like, if you went to any random place of employment, you'd be shocked at how many guns are in trunks and glove compartments there. You yeah. really would. Um. Peter also wanted to talk about this guy a little bit. He wrote in, said, during the last episode of Boys, I want to talk about the civilian who got killed by Starlight because he wanted to be a hero during their Grand Theft Auto moment. During the whole scene, I was really distracted by two thoughts. A, there's nothing that I own other than perhaps my dog that I wouldn't happily give away during any sort of burglary at the time in order to protect my well-being. And B, me trying to get through A to gel with the question of, under what circumstances would I put my life at risk to protect a fucking Hyundai from being stolen? (laughs) Even over the last Hyundai in existence, and it was a special edition, and that was the last car left on the planet, I still think I just let him have it. Isn't this a rule from Zombieland? Don't be a hero. Um, I man, people get gripped up sometimes, and they do dumb stuff. Like I, speaking of my experience with gun owners, there's a few gun owners that do carry, and their kind of attitude is a lot more. I wish a motherfucker would than I would be comfortable with. Yeah. yeah. Um. Like, I do think some of these people that carry, like, some of them do it soberly and responsibly, uh, but a lot of them are kind of, like, itching for a reason to use it. Um, I don't know about this guy. Uh, they did mention that they're out in the middle of nowhere, like, that this would be, like, a, and, and and, you know, is this guy even wounded? Like, I don't think that it was just, like, oh, they're taking my car. It's more of, like, am I... Am I am I getting am I getting kidnapped, shanghaied, you know, taken taken? Are they going to hurt me? Is this is this like one of those urban legends where someone you know like they take advantage of the goodness of your heart and leave you dead in the ditch? I I think that's what was going through the guy's head. Yeah, and I mean at the time he he gets into his glove box uh, to get that gun, Butcher's setting down Huey to come at him, right? Like, 
And he bent over and revealed his own gun uh-huh. on his person. So, so I think he, the guy knows that shit's about to pop off. He needs some protection here, and he has it in his glove box. Yeah, but uh, you know, statistically, some uh, or you're at you're at a pretty high risk of having your own gun used against you um, when when you try to brandish it in in a prevention of crime. I don't know if it's more it's it's I don't think it's it's more likely, but it's a, a statistically signif- statistically significant uh, number. Uh, so yeah, there we go. We've we've gone beyond the pale, and we question this poor suburban dad. And his right to bear arms and uh, the trouble it got him into. Uh, that's all the feedback we have for this week. Um, if there's any other sugarfish blow the door situations that you need to let us know about, please send those in to DHS at baldmove.com and I will happily consider them for next week's podcast. That's it for this episode. Until next time, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.